It doesn't matter how big your problem is. My God is bigger. I said, my God is bigger. He's greater. He's better. He has got all power in heaven and earth. Amen. We are so delighted to have with us today and tonight our guest speaker, Pastor Joel Urshan. Pastors the great first apostolic church, Cincinnati, Ohio. He preached his first revival here at First Pentecostal Church in Palm Bay when he was just 16 years old. And he's been preaching here now for, well, that's more than 20 years ago. <laughs> but this is one of our finest friends and what I believe to be one of the one of the finest proclaimers of the apostolic message in our generation today. We're delighted that he is with us at First Pentecostal Church in Palm Bay. Would you put your hands together and make Brother Joel Urshan welcome. God bless you. We love you. Let's give God praise this morning. For he is good. Come on, let's clap our hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, we praise your name. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. For the Lord, he is good. And his mercy endureth forever. What a great privilege it is to stand in the house of the Lord in Palm Bay, Florida, First Pentecostal Church. It is always a, a pleasure and a privilege of mine to stand behind this sacred desk that is so well seasoned with sound doctrine and apostolic truth. And I honor uh, your pastor and first lady, Pastor and Sister Myers. God bless you. So good to be with them and their wonderful family, Gregory, Luke, and Sophia. Amen. Amen. Bishop and Dr. Myers, God bless you. We love them so very much. Amen. So good to see them. And uh, we thank the Lord for them. We love the Johnson family for many years. God bless them. They were in Indianapolis for a little while. I remember them as even a small child. And uh, just love this family. This is a, this is a wonderful, wonderful family. And my heart is uh, overflowing today for First Pentecostal Church uh, because of this landmark moment in God's anointing of you. And uh, to be able to stand here today and preach to you at a moment like this is indeed an honor. And uh, it's, it's not my first time to preach an anniversary here. Uh, I believe it was the 34th church anniversary that I preached and my father preached and my grandfather preached. And we had, it was a big, a big family occasion. And, uh, and then two days after the anniversary service was September 11th, 2001. And uh, a day that nobody will forget in America. But, uh, but what a privilege to be able to stand here today 50 years after that, that glorious uh, burden was placed upon the heart of some people who, as Pastor Myers put it, said, let's start a church on the Space Coast. Hallelujah. And God has written such a beautiful story, and the story is not over. Hallelujah. It just continues to be written and written and beautiful chapters being added daily to this wonderful, wonderful church. Amen. I will turn your attention this morning to the book of First Chronicles. 
And I want to read from the 22nd chapter, 1 Chronicles chapter 22. And I'm going to begin reading at the 5th verse. 1 Chronicles chapter 22 verse 5. And uh, we're going to read a few verses of scripture here. I, I was going to uh, kind of pick and choose some verses, but... I really want you to get the, the idea of what is happening here and the beautiful exchange that is occurring between uh, King David and King Solomon. And we catch a glimpse of, their, of the heart of each man. And we're going to read also from 2 Chronicles chapter 5 once we conclude this reading. 1 Chronicles 22 verse 5, And David said, Solomon, my son, is young and tender, and the house that is to be builded for the Lord must be, and I love this term, exceeding magnificent, of fame and of glory throughout all countries. I will therefore now make preparation for it. So David prepared abundantly before his death. Then he called for Solomon his son and charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, my son, as for me, it was in my mind to build a house unto the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Thou hast shed blood abundantly, and hast made great wars. Thou shalt not build a house unto my name, because thou hast shed much blood upon the earth in my sight. Behold, a son shall be born to thee, who shall be a man of rest, and I will give him rest from all his enemies round about. For his name shall be Solomon, and I will give peace and quietness unto Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name. He shall be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Now, my son, the Lord, be with thee, and prosper thou, and build the house of the Lord thy God, as he hath said of thee. Only the Lord give thee wisdom and understanding, give thee charge concerning Israel, that thou mayest keep the law of the Lord thy God. Then shalt thou prosper, if thou takest heed to fulfill the statutes, the judgments, which the Lord charged Moses with concerning Israel. Be strong. Be of good courage, dread not, nor be dismayed. Now, behold, in my trouble I have prepared for the house of the Lord an hundred thousand talents of gold. That's a lot of gold. And a thousand thousand talents of silver. That's a lot of silver. And of brass and iron without weight, for it is in abundance. Timber also and stone have I prepared, and thou mayest add thereto. Moreover, there are workmen with thee in abundance, hewers and workers of stone and timber, and all manner of cunning men for every manner of work. Of the gold, the silver, the brass, the iron, there is no number. Arise therefore and be doing, and the Lord be with thee. David also commanded all the princes of Israel to help Solomon, his son, saying, Is not the Lord your God with you? And hath he not given you rest on every side? For he hath given the inhabitants of the land into mine hand. And the land is subdued before the Lord and before his people. Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Arise therefore and build ye the sanctuary of the Lord God. To bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And the holy vessels of God into the house that is to be built to the name of the Lord. Second Chronicles chapter 5 verse 1. Thus all the work that Solomon made for the house of the Lord was finished. And Solomon brought in all the things that David his father had dedicated. And the silver, the gold, the instruments put he among the treasures of the house of God. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes. 
the chief of the fathers of the children of Israel unto Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. Wherefore, all the men of Israel assembled themselves unto the king in the feast which was in the seventh month. And all the elders of Israel came, and the Levites took up the ark. And they brought up the ark and the tabernacle of the congregation and all the holy vessels that were in the tabernacle. These did the priests and the Levites bring up. And I want you to notice verse 6. Also King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel that were assembled unto him before the ark sacrificed sheep and oxen which could not be told nor numbered for multitude. By the help of the Lord this morning, I would like to preach to you on this subject. And I feel like the Lord has, has put his heart upon my heart to preach to you today. I just want to preach to you on this subject, 50 years of success. 50 years of success. Let's go to the Lord together in prayer. Lord, we love you. We thank you. For you are great and greatly to be praised. There is none like unto you. There is none beside you. We call upon your mighty name today in this place, Lord, to heal and to set free and to deliver. Lord, by the power of your word, go forth. And minister deeply, diligently, thoroughly in the lives of each and every hearer. We give you praise today and ask for your anointing upon this message, upon the remainder of this service. And in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. amen. And amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Now I know that there perhaps are varying interpretations of the word success and not necessarily something you would you would uh, throw into the title of a sermon haphazardly but I, I I don't know how else to call it to be honest with you and I think that in our world there is a a perhaps a misunderstanding of the word success uh, as a matter of fact, I would, I would venture to say that, that uh, most people really misunderstand the true depth of the word. If you were to go to any random book store and look for a book that would help you to help yourself, motivate yourself, somehow you would be in the self-help section, maybe the business management section, looking for a book on uh, leadership, looking for a book on how to, how to make life better for yourself. And you would find almost in every title or, or nearly every title this word, success. Success. Everybody's got all kinds of secrets to success. And, uh, and these secrets are guaranteed to, to make a profound difference in your life. And so many people would gauge success differently. Some people think of success in terms of how much money they are able to accrue. Some people uh, determine success by how much influence they are able to develop. Some people determine success by, by uh, how, how many elections they can win. And yet Jesus, of course, gives us pause and, and tells us very uh, deliberately and very emphatically that the way the world gauges success is different than the way the child of God gauges success. 
It's, it's replete in the scriptures at, it, in so many different ways. He says it. He perhaps sums it up by saying, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on this earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves do break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't corrupt, where thieves cannot break through and steal. And, and he does this time and time again, saying that, that his wisdom is foolishness to the world, but that the world's wisdom is foolishness to him. And, and he lets us understand that the way the world views things is, in fact, backwards. So we know, and you're here today because you understand that true success has nothing to do with worldly gain. And it has everything to do with what you are doing in the Spirit. And so... In talking about success, not only are we to understand that there is a chasm between the way the world would define it and the way the church would embrace it, but, but, but in, even in the word itself and in the way that the, the world uses it and even defines it, it's really not completely understood. It really gets mixed up, if you please, with the word accomplishment or achievement. Many people think of success as being synonymous with what they've accomplished, what they have achieved, and not taking away anything from what people do accomplish and what people do achieve, but that's not, that's not the depth and the breadth of the word success. Success has to do with much more than what you accomplish. Success, if you understand it in its purest form and, and even in its original uh, language, success has to do with coming close after, coming close after. We use it this way as well, we just don't really think of it in these terms, but if I were to use a word like succession, then you would understand it's referring to what comes after. If I were to use a word like successor, then you would understand that success has to do with what comes after. If I were to use a word like succeed, one who exceeds, succeeds another, then it would make a little more sense. Success is not just about what you do, but success is about what you do in preparation for the next generation. It has to do with the successors who will come up behind you. It has to do with the succession that will occur. And so... Today I stand in this pulpit and I celebrate with you because there has been 50 years of success at First Pentecostal Church, Palm Bay, Florida. What is going on at First Pentecostal Church isn't just about you and it's not just about a previous generation. This is a multi-generational success. One generation rises up and takes the baton from another, and on and on it goes. This is going to be a, this is going to be a God endeavor through it all until Jesus comes because of the foundation that is laid. I remember my dad telling me a story uh, about when he was eight years old. He was sitting in the, uh, the Calvary Tabernacle where his father, my grandfather, pastored. And he was waiting patiently for his dad to finish uh, a meeting that was taking place in his office. And uh, as preacher's kids do, he, just, he was just bored to tears waiting for his dad to finish the meeting. Until finally the door of his office flew open and a man stomped out of that office. 
And, uh, and he, the, 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 it was a tense exchange occurring between my grandfather and this, this other man. And the man was shouting at my grandfather. And he came to the door of the church as my grandfather was seeing him out of the building. And my dad remembers him saying these words to his dad. Now, this eight-year-old boy went from being bored to tears to eyes wide open. And he heard the man say to his father, while you're pastoring on this little street corner in Indianapolis, the world is going to hear about me. And he was right. His name was Jim Jones, and he pastored the People's Temple in Indianapolis, Indiana. He came to hear my grandfather preach routinely, and, and, and then he approached him and asked him some of his thoughts about the direction he was going. My grandfather rebuked the direction that he was going said that it was to end up in absolute demise, said that he was on the wrong track, that he needed to turn his eyes to the Lord afresh. And the man resisted it, and hence the tense exchange. And, and as he bounded out the door that day, my dad's eyes widened even further. And of course, time would tell, and history would record, that the world did in fact hear about him. He was a figure in what has become known as the turbulent 60s. He, of course, took his congregation in Indianapolis to San Francisco in the mid to late 60s and established the People's Temple in San Francisco and proceeded to generate one of the worst mass suicide murders. In fact, the mass death was the greatest in American history until 9-11. And so... This was Jim Jones. Jim Jones was not alone in the 1960s as one of the very uh, interesting figures. There were, this was a tumultuous time, the 1960s. Uh, of course, I'm speaking in respect to the fact that First Pentecostal Church was established in 1967. That's, that's, not, that's not by happenstance. There, there's a reason why God moved upon the people that he put it in their heart to Build a church for the Lord's glory. In 1967, this was, a, this was a country that was in unrest. It was, in fact, the summer of love. And the, the hippie movement had begun in San Francisco. And people were saying, if you come to San Francisco, make sure to wear a flower in your hair. And there was a, there was a doctrine of, of false love, false peace. And it was based on the idea that, that you could have love, you could have peace, and that there were these substances that could really, really help you along to establish that kind of love and peace in the world. People didn't know altogether the dangers involved with some of these chemical substances. And, and so there was a, it was a groundswell in America. It was, it was many, much in part due to people's resistance to the idea of war because in the same time America was at war in Vietnam and it was a it was a part of a generation that had already been so war torn and this generation that came up was rebelling against authority in all ways and and so they they were looking for other things now in hindsight we know they were looking for Jesus i've often said the hippie movement was so close to an apostolic revival they knew that what the world needs now is love, sweet love. That's the only thing. There's just too little love. They understood that we needed peace. But when they turned to chemical substances instead of Jesus, it, it all 
went downhill. Instead of getting on the good old gospel ship, they got on a yellow submarine with a green tambourine, and it, it just went down slippery slope downhill from there. And it just didn't turn out. It just didn't turn out the way they had hoped. People, would, people began to experience uh, terrible tragedies in their life. People overdosed on drugs. People would, people would uh, develop sexually transmitted diseases because of the free love uh, ideals. And, and so this, once again, the nation was, was looking into the face of a failed prescription for what ailed them. And at the same time, there, there were political figures being assassinated in the United States. Just a few years removed from President John F. Kennedy being assassinated. One year away from his brother who was running for president being assassinated. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. would be assassinated just the following year from 1967. In 1966, Anton LaVey began what is known as the Church of Satan. They read from a satanic Bible that he wrote and it was designed to tell people that they should be their own god and that they should do what they want to do it was it was an absolute defiance of god himself and pastor myers talked about the fact that that the world was trying to make their way to the moon reach beyond their current existence and while all of this chaos is ensuing not only in america but around the world and even in Israel, Israel was invaded by all of her neighboring countries. And Israel wasn't even prepared for this kind of a battle. But if the Lord had not been on Israel's side, Israel never would have been able to hold up under the pressure. The spiritual climate of 1967 was rocking and reeling. The world was fluctuating back and forth. They were, they were, they were terrified from... Just a few years earlier when the Cuban Missile Crisis had, had uh, taken its toll on America's idea of what security really means. And they knew they were only seconds away from nuclear oblivion and annihilation. It was a turbulent time. And God looked upon Palm Bay, Florida. And God put it in the hearts of some people. Hallelujah, that had been called by his name, set apart for his purpose, and said, I'm going to raise you up. I'm going to plant you, hallelujah, on the space coast. I'm going to put my name upon you. I'm going to put my blessing upon your efforts. Dig in your heels. Don't be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Dig in your heels and let the Lord, hallelujah, place his favor upon you. Hallelujah. Those folks came together. They sacrificed. They sacrificed. I said they sacrificed. They believed in one God, and his name is Jesus Christ. They believed that Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, and that that is the plan of salvation. Hallelujah. They believed, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. They believed except a man be born of the water and of the spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. They believed. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 
And if God has ever sent a man to a city, he sent Bishop Myers to Palm Bay, Florida. Five thousand people in the city in 1971. Five thousand people in the city of Palm Bay, Florida. I believe that the blessing of the Lord upon this city is directly attached to this family. I believe it in Jesus' name. I absolutely believe it. Because when Bishop and Dr. Myers came into Palm Bay, Florida, you heard 40 people in attendance, 5,000 people in the city, but they came magnifying the name of Jesus. They came exalting the name of Jesus. And you know what Jesus said. He said, if I be lifted up from the earth, if you don't believe it, you ought to try it. Bishop Myers, Sister Myers tried it. If I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. You know what they believed? They believed that if one plants and another waters, God will give the increase. Hallelujah. If one plants and another waters, God will give the increase. I loved how Pastor Myers described it. Sitting on the back of a tailgate beating a drum. Telling people about Jesus. Doing what you can to reach a lost soul. Letting children know Jesus saves. Put it in their heart when they're young. That's why we sing the song, Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. Because we want them to remember when they're sitting in a courtroom that Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. We want them to remember when they're sitting in a hospital waiting room. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. We want them to remember this when they're sitting at the funeral home waiting for the proceedings. To, pro, to go on. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. Nobody was excluded from evangelism. Preaching the gospel to children. Preaching the gospel to young people. Preaching the gospel to adults. Preaching the gospel to seniors. Preaching the gospel to every ethnic background. Preaching the gospel to whosoever will. Let him come and drink of the waters of life freely. Hey. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That was at the foundation of First Pentecostal Church. Hallelujah. David. David says to Solomon, Solomon, it was in my heart to build a building for the Lord. But there was so much war in my day. I had to subdue whole lands. I had to subdue whole peoples. There was so much war. We couldn't even begin to think about building a house for the Lord. And the Lord said to David that, You've shed so much blood in my sight that I want you to take what I, you have in your heart and I want you to pass it on to your son. See, David had great accomplishments. Great accomplishments. There's no question. He was a man after God's own heart. He was the sweet psalmist of Israel. 
He was the king of Israel. The city is named after him. It is the city of David. When God restores his tabernacle, he's restoring the tabernacle of David. This man was a man of God. And God used him to pull Israel out of obscurity and set them upon the place where God had had prepared for them. And David fought every battle he fought with the future in mind. He said, I have all these hundreds of thousands of talents of gold. I have a thousand, thousand talents of silver. I have so much brass. I have so much iron, so much timber, so much stone. I have been gathering for years and years. Every battle I fought, I fought with the notion in mind that this is for posterity's sake. This is so that somebody can come along and take what I have accomplished and move it into to a new generation I don't want this to die with me I don't want this faith to die with me I don't want this walk with God to die with me Solomon you got to understand what I'm giving you is special what I'm passing on to you is something so sacred you can't treat it haphazardly Solomon he said Solomon I've seen so many sons of kings take what their father gave them and just do away with it but he said not you Solomon I'm telling you to walk with God walk before him in his statues walk before him in his judgments seek him with your whole heart turn to him in all your ways he said keep the charge that the Lord gave to Moses now there's a lot wrapped up in that because that charge he gave to Moses it not only included the commandments of the Lord but it also included the tabernacle plan this, 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 this pattern of heavenly things that Moses discovered upon the mountain with God. Show me thy glory. I want to see everything you can show me. I want to know how to help your people, how to lead your people. And God said, Moses, I'm going to show you a pattern of heavenly things. And he showed him exactly how man's sins can be atoned. And all of it was a type and a shadow of the Messiah who was coming. Who would be the perpetual sin offering. The propitiation for man's sins. The Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. All of it. The brazen altar and the brazen laver and the table of showbread and the seven gold and candlesticks and the altar of incense and the holiest of all places and the mercy seat the lamb type of Jesus the high priest type of Jesus the tabernacle a type of Jesus all of it was to teach Moses and Israel about the messianic truth concerning Jesus who would come into the world it's not just a religious thing It's not just a little ritual, Moses. This isn't just your tradition in contrast to everybody else's traditions. This isn't just your little custom. You don't get to tamper with it, tinker with it. You get it in your heart. You get it down deep in your soul. You get it down deep in your mind. And you believe that the Lord is our salvation. You believe that the Lord is our deliverer. You believe that God is with us 
And if God be for us, who can be against us? Hallelujah. David said, Solomon, you got to understand something. I'm giving you something that God gave me, and you will add there too. And it will be exceeding magnificent, and you will bless all the nations. But I don't want you to ever forget the pattern that God gave Moses in the mountain. Because when you come into that beautiful temple of the Lord, it has to be a reflection of that heavenly pattern. doesn't matter how beautiful it is. It has to be a reflection of that heavenly pattern. I wonder what Solomon's first thought was. Because, you know, the tabernacle was a little bit of, of a uh, challenge to appreciate. I mean, this tabernacle was, it wasn't like the Taj Mahal. In the wilderness. Now it had gold. And it had, it had purple. But all of that was on the inside. On the outside it was just covered with badger skin. You couldn't see the beauty that was on the inside. You know what? In truth that's exactly where we are today. The beautiful part of us is on the inside. That's why we don't get caught up in, uh, on the outside so much. Because it's the inside, hallelujah, that we're beautifying. It's the inside, hallelujah. And the tabernacle, once you got in there, not everybody could get in there. But if, if you were a priest and you walked in there, my goodness, the beauty of God was amazing. But to look at it from the outside, it was just like, why in the world, what is, what is that big badger skin thing doing in the middle of the, of the camp? So I wonder what Solomon's first thoughts were when his dad says to him, Solomon, I'm giving you something so special. I'm giving you what's in my heart, but you're going to add to it and seek the Lord all the days of your life. Serve him all the days of your life. And Solomon, ladies and gentlemen, he absolutely took what David gave him and he compounded it dramatically. He added there too, wondrously. That is success. That's success. What David experienced was great. What he did was amazing. But when he was able to successfully pass it on to Solomon and see Solomon do something even greater with it, that is true success. I want to commend every parent who has their children here this morning. God bless you in Jesus' name. Every grandparent who's sacrificing to bring your grandchildren to the house of God, God bless you in Jesus' name. I'm going to tell you, you won't regret getting that word down deep in their heart. As a pastor, I can't tell you how many people to this day show up at our church and they say, Pastor, you don't know me, but I was coming here 20 years ago as a small child. I drifted from the Lord, but I, I've come into some difficulties, and I know where my help comes from. I will lift mine eyes unto the hills. You better let them know where the help comes from. They better know that their help doesn't come from a bottle. They better know that their help doesn't come from a needle. They better know that their help doesn't come from career advancement. They better know that education is great, but that's not where their help comes from. My help cometh from the Lord. 
success, success, success. Hallelujah. 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 Solomon, Solomon was an amazing character. Do you know the Bible says he was wiser than all the men in the world? The Bible says that. He was wiser than all men. In fact, the Bible even lists some names that I didn't even bother to write down and present to you because I knew none of us knew who they were. The Bible doesn't even know who they are. It's just recorded. There's no other instance where they're even mentioned. And the Bible's like, Solomon was wiser than this guy and this guy and that guy. Ethan the Ezraite. Ethan the Ezraite, he, he's not on any Forbes magazine covers. He's not, he's not on the Oprah Winfrey show. He's not. Dr. Phil isn't talking to Ethan the Ezraite. Everybody knows who Solomon is. Because Solomon had a wisdom that was not of this world. He wasn't just another sage. He wasn't just another philosopher. He wasn't just somebody who spoke from the pain of their own experiences. And, and had, had managed to put together some thoughts that really expressed their own feelings. But Solomon had wisdom that came directly from God. God gave him wisdom. God gave him understanding. God put it upon him. And Solomon was wiser than all men. He was wiser than Ethan the Ezraite. He was wiser than all of the children of Maholi. Whoever that is. He was wiser than anyone in his world. And the Bible says that the kings of the earth came to hear his wisdom. One of the very famous episodes and experiences that the scriptures record is when the queen of the south, the queen of Sheba, came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And she brought with her a caravan of spices and wealth from her land. And she came, now folks, whatever she'd heard about Solomon was, must have been pretty amazing because she came from the uttermost parts of the earth and brought with her a caravan of spices and talents and, and, and wealth. And yet when she got there and looked and heard and saw, the half had not been told. So whatever half she did here, was pretty compelling. But she wasn't even prepared when she got there. She, the Bible says there was no more breath left in her. I wish I could take the time. I don't have enough time uh, to, to go into the, the elaborateness of the temple of Solomon. The Bible's description of his temple through several chapters of 1 Kings. The cedar, everything covered with cedar and so many things covered with gold. And, and there was no stone seen on the inside of the temple. It was so beautifully ornate. And, and, and Solomon's temple was something, as David put it, exceeding magnificent. Wiser than all men. Wiser than so many that the world considered wise people. Solomon's wisdom exceeded all of them. You know, 
the skeptic could stand back and look and wonder how Solomon was going to handle all of that. But the time came for the dedication of the temple. When Solomon had finished dedicating the temple, and they're going to have this massive dedication. And then Solomon does to what some might have seemed like the unthinkable. He calls on the priest and the congregation of Israel. Bring your sheep and bring your oxen to the altar of the Lord. And the Bible says they sacrificed sheep and oxen without number. They estimate that half a million gallons of blood was shed that day in sacrifice unto the Lord. I imagine he had some advisors standing by saying, Solomon, you don't understand. The kings of the other nations are coming to see your temple. You don't understand. You're wiser than all the people of the earth. You are known throughout the nations. Your reputation has spread. This temple is exceeding magnificent. All of the marble and all of the ivory and all of the cedars of Lebanon that actually coat the inside of, the, of this temple and the gold, the gold, the gold, and, and, then, and then brass. It's, Solomon, you have want of nothing. You don't have to impress anybody because you have done impressing them and and so Solomon maybe we could maybe we could forget about all those sheep and oxen that's kind of like the the blemish right I mean we, we, we're not in the wilderness anymore Solomon we don't have to worry about the sacrifice we used to make in the wilderness we don't have to worry about shedding the blood like they used to in the wilderness but Solomon did something ladies and gentlemen that we need to understand today. Solomon said, you know what? I'm not forsaking what brought us to where we are. Hallelujah. He stood up in that most beautiful temple. He stood up in that most ornate of edifices. He stood up in that exceeding magnificent monument and cathedral and said, bring in the sheep. Bring in the oxen. It's time to sacrifice unto the Lord. It's time for the shedding of the blood. Can I tell you, First Pentecostal Church, how blessed you are that you have a pastor, hallelujah, who stands up in this pulpit and says I know we've come a long way in 50 years I know God blessed us with a new building not just a new building here a new building in Guatemala a new building in the Dominican Republic you've got more buildings around the world I'm so blessed to be Friends with Pastor and Sister Myers. This man has argued before state Supreme Courts. He's argued prepared arguments for the United States Supreme Court. He's witnessed to congressmen, senators, governors. God has put him in proximity to powerful people. People everywhere love and adore him and his wife and their children. And they have built this beautiful edifice for the glory of God. And the walls have had to be knocked down for more people to enter in. And every year folks are traveling to Peru and Guatemala and the Dominican Republic. 
Republic in Haiti building for the glory of God. I had the privilege of being in the Dominican Republic. I walked down into that area where we built the church in the Dominican Republic. Before we got there, that place was overrun by drug lords. That place was overrun by prostitution. That place was filled with violence. We got off the plane and the missionary said, now just a few days ago across the street where we're going to be working, somebody was murdered in cold blood. So, so just don't want to make you nervous. Just want to, well, thank you. That didn't make me nervous at all. Those are the kind of places that First Pentecostal Church is going into fearlessly with faith, with courage, and saying we're going to build a temple for the glory of God. I saw it happen. I saw the drug lords scurry off. I saw prostitution come to a halt in that community. And the Lord was magnified. Success, 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 success. Success. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for Pastor Myers standing up in the pulpit of First Pentecostal Church. He's an inspiration to all who know him and delivering the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. And you know what? In this world today, people would love to press in on the church of the living God and tell the church, you ought to change the way you preach. You ought to change what you preach. You ought to make it easier. In essence, lie to people about what salvation really is. You'd have more people if you would just tell them what they want to hear instead of what thus saith the Lord but you've got a King Solomon who says no the blood brought us here and the blood is going to take us forward the name brought us here and the name is going to take us forward the Holy Ghost brought us here and the Holy Ghost will take us forward the word brought us here and the word will take us forward. Some folks may not understand it, but we still dance before the Lord. We still talk in tongues. We still preach holiness. We still preach one God. We still preach Holy Ghost. Success, success, success. It worked, Bishop. It worked. It worked, Pastor. It worked. Nobody knows who Anton LaVey is anymore. People who were hippies have all taken showers. Clean themselves up, put on suits and ties. Every once in a while, they'll, they'll, they don't want anybody to know, but every once in a while, they'll let a groovy dude out. And you know, oh, they were a hippie. Wasn't successful. Did not succeed into descending generations. You know what? I could call up any of the Bible quizzers of First Pentecostal Church. Have them stand on this stage, and they'd quote Acts 2.38, 
And they'd quote John 3, 5. And they'd quote Isaiah 40 and 8. And they'd quote Psalm 119, 11. Hallelujah. They'd quote Psalm 27. Come on, somebody. They'd quote Acts 4, 12. You know why? Because it's succeeding. It's succeeding. It's moving on to another generation. It's moving on. It's moving on. It's moving on. God bless you, Sister Myers, and the children's ministry department. God bless you. The anointing of God is upon those children. The Lord is putting in their hearts what he put in the hearts of those who founded this congregation. God's putting in their hearts what he put in bishop, what he put in pastor. It's succeeding. <laughs> this isn't a flash in the pan thing. This isn't a come this day, go that day thing. This church is established forever for the glory of God. Somebody lift your hands and praise God for his good. Hallelujah. I'm coming to a close. But hear me. I have prayed for this weekend. I said, Lord, what would you have for First Pentecostal Church, Palm Bay, Florida? Speak through me, Lord. And I felt the love of God come upon me for you. For your pastor and his family. Oh, how he loves you. One of the reasons that God loves you so much. So many reasons. Your faithfulness to truth. Your faithfulness to him. And the Bible says it so explicitly. The Lord loveth a cheerful giver.
Hallelujah. 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 Glory, glory. He told Hallelujah. Come on, let's lift up our hands unto the Lord right now. Let's lift up our hands unto the Lord right now. I want every person in this building that has been blessed by the Lord. You have seen his notable blessings and miracles in your life. As a result of your faithfulness to the First Pentecostal Church, I want you right now to come forward in the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it, in the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it. I want you to come celebrating. Come celebrating. Come with a praise on your lips. Come with a praise on your lips. In the name of Jesus. Some of you have received financial blessings. You need to come down giving God praise. This is a day of celebration. This is a day of celebration. I want everybody who has experienced a financial miracle in their life to come down celebrating right now. Say, Lord, I trusted you. I put my faith in you. And you brought it to pass. Come on, that's it. Lift up your praise unto the God of heaven. Lift up your praise unto the God of heaven. Come on, it's a day of jubilee. It's a day of jubilee. It's a day of celebration. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. Some of you have experienced healing in your families. Some of you experienced miracles in your marriage. Come on, this is a day of jubilee, a day of celebration. Thank you, Jesus. The blood still works. The spirit still works. Come on, that's it. Praise him. That's it. Lift up your voice and praise unto the Lord. Lift up your voice and praise to the Lord. Woo! Come on, that's it. I want somebody. You remember when you were despairing. You remember when you were despairing. You remember when you were afraid. But God, who is your very present help in trouble, stepped into your circumstances. Come on, bring your sacrifice to the Lord. Bring your sacrifice of praise unto the Lord. Come on, I know, hallelujah, that God has been good to you. Go ahead and praise Him all across this building. Celebrate, celebrate, celebrate the goodness of God. Celebrate the goodness of God. Praise him. Come on, fathers, praise him. Come on, children, praise him. Somebody give him a high praise. 
Somebody give him a high. awesome why don't you turn to the person you're standing next to right now why don't you pray for one another right now in the name of Jesus come on let's pray that the Lord would put upon your neighbor what's in you let there be a transfer of the anointing that's it of the unction of his spirit in the name of Jesus In the name of Jesus. I pray for the outpouring of your spirit, God. I pray for your power, your anointing, your deliverance, your healing, God. Oh, yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Be filled with the Holy Ghost.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your church, Lord. Thank you for godly men and women. Thank you for your truth that goes down from generation to generation. Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. there this morning I saw brother and sister Hasselbrock God bless you sorry I didn't acknowledge you earlier but brother Hasselbrock was the camp principal at the district campground in Ocala when I was just a boy and I'm so ha honored and happy that he's here today God bless you brother Hasselbrock I thank you for what you put in us as a young child I mentioned earlier, Brother King is here who preached the revival when I was just a boy and got the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful for leaders and elders that have gone before us that have preached the gospel. And I want to say today that if God tarries His coming, this next generation is going to take the gospel. And God's going to do an even greater work. The old song says, it's the church triumphant. It's been through the fire, but the fire couldn't burn it. It's been through the storm, and the storm couldn't turn it. It's built on a rock. Aren't you thankful for that rock? Hallelujah. That solid rock, Christ Jesus. Amen. Come on, why don't you turn and high-five your neighbor right now and say, God's been faithful. And he's going to continue to be faithful. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Don't forget tonight. We're going to come back for a grand celebration, 6.30 p.m. Everyone's invited. God bless you.